Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays. And guess what time it is? Free for all Friday time. Haven't done one in a while. In a oh, long yeah. while. It's been a while, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But it was a good break. It's a good little break. And... um we do have something to talk about today. I guess we're going to talk about Christian nationalism, huh? Now we don't we don't spend a, a, a lot of time. We don't we don't like prepare. I don't know, and people might laugh at this. We don't really prepare for Fear for All Friday. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> hence <laughs> no the, hence no, the uh, don't give away our secrets. Hence the free for all. <laughs> so kind of what you really get is whatever we're kind of been thinking about something. We just come in here and think about it together, and you just get to listen in. Uh, before we do, though, George, I've got a special gem for you. Yeah? You know, if we're we're talking about Christians having more influence in the culture, and one of those ways is, is through media, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I want to present to you an actual movie. <laughs> it's hard to laugh already. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. Oh, yeah. Kenneth Copeland made a movie, oh, and yeah. I just got to show this. Uh-huh. This is from a TikTok. Now, yeah. I don't know, because it's been a while since I watched TikTok, and this guy, I don't know if he's going to, he may say a cuss word or something. I have no idea, but he's, <laughs> he is going to show a clip of Kenneth Copeland. We are not starting out on the right foot if you're, if you're already I don't have a bug. <laughs> I don't have a beeper either. Like, we need a beeper button, don't we? <laughs> I'll try to. I'll that try is to, definitely going to be. If he says a cuss word, <laughs> I'm gonna try to hit that. <laughs> I'll keep it ready. So. What else? What other funny sounds we got? Yep. <laughs> we got that's old Evangeline from when she was a baby. What's wrong with you people? That might be good. I might. We might. Keep you know, it's the uh, it's the sixth uh, sixth anniversary of R.C. Sproul's passing today. Are you serious? Today, six years. Yeah, six years. Yeah, that's wild. It seems like. In my mind, almost like a couple of years ago. 2017. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. So make him proud. <laughs> make him proud. <laughs> Time, time's relative, you know. Maybe i just yeah. been moving fast lately. Maybe. Slower for me. Are we going to, uh, are, we, are we just going to ignore the mustache? I mean. Are we? <laughs> Can, can you? <laughs> can you ignore it? Yeah. I just want to draw everyone's attention to it. If you're not watching on YouTube, shame on you. Yeah, there's Jay's. Uh, what what's going on here? It's not perfect. Maybe, t- maybe tell tell us what uh, tell us what. I'm gonna what grow this mustache on. out. I'm gonna curl it around. Okay. Yeah. Just for. I mean, what what you know? What led to this development? Yeah. You know, I've had the old stony face name for so long. Mm-hmm. I just thought to myself, why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> and so then I just curled my mustache up. I just curled it right up, George, until uh-huh. I see now there's always a smile on my face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to come up with a new nickname All for right. me. Well, I'll let, I'll let uh, other people decide on that. <laughs> I'll let them be the judges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to enter any uh, competitions? There was that guy in Texas. Parker sent a mm-hmm. uh, sent me a message. A guy in Texas got, won yeah, the best got, mustache. Yeah, they've got like a, a national mustache yeah, contest. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep growing it. Yeah. We'll keep it going. Okay. All right. 
Bring back mm-hmm. a little of the old West. You need to wear a cowboy hat. Do you have a cowboy I hat? I would like to wear a duster. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're pretty cool. They are. You see uh, Wyatt Earp and the boys and mm-hmm. Doc Holliday, they walk in with the duster. Uh-huh. That's peak. That's peak cool. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Are you going to show us this? I'm going to show ab- you this abomination. Clip. I've seen this. I, I think this was from a couple of years ago. It's it's resurfaced for some reason. I I, I didn't. I've never seen it, and I I was dying. I'm. It's sure an I, actual. It is an actual movie. I might have fallen over in my chair an, when I saw this. <laughs> it's so cringe. This is like a peak level cringe. So if we have a cringe scale from here on out. This is the top tier. Which is weird because Kenneth Copeland, he has enough money to just privately fund his own Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's watch this thing. This is a. He'd be Doctor Doom if he was in a Marvel movie. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, This this is a real movie. Check this out. This is wild. Millionaire Kenneth Copeland, right here made a movie where he's the head of a Mexican crime family <laughs> and a preacher. It's called The Rally, L.A. <laughs> There's something that I must do. I did it on 20 years ago. <laughs> some of the things you're doing, we are dealing with the devil himself. <laughs> the winds that are changing, we need to be watchful. Julia Roberts, uh, older brother. For real? Yeah, Kenneth Copeland portrays a Mexican crime lord, and Eric Roberts is a competing crime lord. But Copeland's crime lord preaches the Bible. As you try to mess the way the business around here, I will not hesitate to silence you. I will take you out. <laughs> this, this is guy. a real movie. This, this is actually a real movie. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland starring in The Rally LA. Shout out to Brisky's. Uh, we gotta i gotta find this movie this guy yeah yeah it came out in 2016 yeah eric roberts he, we <laughs> i fell down the rabbit hole last night we were talking about it after uh after the prayer meeting oh really and uh, uh philip reminded me that eric roberts he's he's julia roberts's uh older brother i did not know that yeah yeah so yes, that that is a real movie. It came. Uh, I mean, I don't know what it came out on. <laughs> I don't know where you could find this thing. Uh, came out in 2016. Amazing, truly amazing. Came out in 2016. R.C. Sproul died in 2017. Is there a correlation? Uh. There. They... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, te- terrible, terrible stuff. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny though. Who is that guy? Who's that guy that you were? That he, I have no idea. TikTok is it? I really. I have no idea, man. Mm. So you know, TikTok it runs off a like an algorithm. So the more funny videos like that you watch, the more it will feed you. Mm. It's an endless trap. Yeah, endless trap of funny. So wonder if this thing is on. Uh, that's what I have in my TikTok. I get baseball videos and I get crazy funny videos like that. Yeah. I wonder if we can find this thing on 
the actual movie on itself you, on YouTube. Yeah, I, I don't know where we would. I don't know where we'd find this thing. But it <laughs> if anyone can find it, if anyone finds it, uh, drop a comment because it's worth a watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of baseball, uh, the whole uh, Otani right uh, contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out. What do yeah. you think about that? I mean. Obviously, a brilliant move for so him and the so Dodgers. He's, so he's he signed with the Dodgers for seven hundred million dollars. Seven hundred million dollars over ten years. But he's going to, and he's worth every penny. But he's going people to, think that's crazy, but he's worth every penny of that. But he's going to. It's going to be deferred, right? He is for the first ten years. He's only going to be paid two million, two million, year, and then sixty-eight million the next ten years, whether he ever plays a game or not. Which was interesting. Yeah, he's the I, new Bobby re- Bonilla. It's so you've got Bobby Bonilla and his uh, his crazy contract with uh-huh. the Mets. Yeah, the Mets. His contract, he gets paid what seven million, a little over seven million a year. Yeah, and when's the last time he played? I don't even know. It's, been, <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> like so twenty Bo- years ago. So, it, so Bobby Bonilla Day is is what uh, is every every year when he gets paid. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends. In 2025, Otani starts in 2024, <laughs> so there's going to be like yeah. a replacement. It's going to be Otani Day well, uh, for the next 20 years. Why it's brilliant is because it leaves the Dodgers with a huge, with a huge budget still, mm-hmm. right? Right. He is on that team, which already <clears throat> is loaded with all stars. Mm-hmm. If you look in the lineup, like batting, you know, one through nine, he is the ninth paid. Okay. That's wow. that's wild. That M- wild. Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts is number one, I believe. Uh, I did find this meme, and I, I thought it was pretty funny. Oh, you got something? Yeah, I got, got a little meme. Got a little meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the Dodgers have kind we've of got a we've got a Dodgers fan here at the church, and I. It like used to, to be uh, it used to be the Yankees that people would hate on because of their uh, budget; uh-huh. they could buy whoever they want. But right. that's really shifted to the Dodgers. Yeah, who's who is it? Who who's the Dodgers guy? Are we, going, are, we are we dropping drop, names? We dropping how names? about you drop initials? Uh, how about I just tell you after the? Okay, I don't want to just. Start you think he's ashamed? Is he? Are Maybe. you really a Dodgers fan? <laughs> if you're if you're ashamed of it. It's it's John. How can you not it's be? John, it's, it's John. Okay. Yeah. But how can you not be an Otani fan, and then because of him, kind of be a Dodgers fan? You got, I, ima- I imagine that. Um, I imagine that there's a lot of people who are pretty upset with him moving from the Angels to the Dodgers. Well, you know, he he's the best baseball player in the world, probably the best baseball player in the last hundred years. That's not an overstatement. And he probably wants to try to win a World Series. You know, can you can you blame him? I can't blame him. He obviously doesn't want the money right now. Right. He's willing to not. I mean, he's two million dollars in in. As far as good baseball players go, per year is not mm. very much. Yeah, but he's known as the nicest, the nicest player in all of baseball. He seems like he's really nice, and yeah. apparently he's openly a, a real Christian, okay. which I was really surprised by. He's from Japan, mm-hmm. born and raised in Japan, right? But that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he obviously and he and he shows a lot of respect. You see him; he'll meet players that weren't as good as him yeah. in the past, and he'll meet them, and he'll like, you know, he'll like kind of bow to them and. Mm-hmm. Like be very respectful. Right. He cleans the dug up, the dugout up after him. So like, what? Who does that? Yeah. The best ball player in the world, apparently. So I'm a I'm a big fan of Otani. 
uh, found this Babylon B headline. Was saving it for the podcast. Uh, this this is directed towards Parker, I think. I've got it on this. Yeah, there you go. Churchgoer <laughs> pledges seven hundred million in ties with one dollar per year to be paid for the next seven hundred million years. <laughs> yeah, that's good. His that's payments good. are being deferred in what he's calling the Otani plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay you in the new heaven in the new heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess this is uh, this is unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I said, it kind of shows the self selfless nature of uh, what he wants to do because it mm-hmm. just allow them to build their build their roster, build their team, right, and uh, not have to dump all their money into him right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Also brilliant, probably for tax purposes, because I imagine when he's done in L.A., he'll probably move to probably like Texas, where he won't have to pay taxes at all on that. Yeah, like not like he would in California, <laughs> right? Who knows? But is well, he even going to be able to afford a house on two million dollars a year in L.A.? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a one-bedroom yeah. apartment. Yeah, where's he going to live? I, if, I mean, get online and go to a real estate mm-hmm. site in, in L.A. and find you, find you a house there. I, I think probably, though, he'll end up making more than $700 million, Oh, yeah, I'm uh, sure. Just off of his endorsements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So he'll be all right. I'm sure, Otani will be all right. I'm sure he'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Well, let's jump in, I guess. I don't know how we're going to uh, go ahead and start this conversation, but obviously uh, Christian nationalism is something that everyone's talking about. Um, there are numerous podcasts dealing with this uh, topic, numerous blog posts dealing with this topic. It seems to be uh, everywhere if you're online, uh, especially if you're on Twitter. My Twitter feed right about now is filled with Christian nationalism debating and baseball. <laughs> and can it- <laughs> Kenneth Copeland movie yeah. trailers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He is going to get so much press from this this uh, this resurgence of this trailer that came out seven years ago that he's going to make another movie, Jay, and you're going to be part of the problem. <laughs> he's going to be like, everyone is watching my trailer. Maybe it'll be a Western, and maybe he'll let me be in it. Yeah. <laughs> <Huh? laughs> All right, we we've talked a little bit about Christian nationalism, you know, just here and there, not not anything really in depth. But the reason that I thought maybe we could talk about it is because of this new movie that's coming out uh, that is being directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner, he's um, I don't know. I was going to look up movies that Rob Reiner has uh, has made. Can you think of any off the top of your head? No, I was trying to think of of uh, some movies that he's. Very famous in Hollywood. Um, I just can't remember any of his movies. Uh, when Harry Met Sally, uh, Stand by Me. Um, let's see, what do we got? Misery. Did you ever see Misery? Yes. Uh, Princess Bride. Okay. Everybody's seen You're Princess right. Bride. A few good men. So he's done. He's done like some big, famous movies. Right. Um, but now he's putting out a documentary on Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner is. Um, He's he is Jewish, but I believe from what I've seen that he's an atheist. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so he's an atheist uh, who is making a documentary about Christian nationalism. Right. Right. 
And uh, so this uh, the trailer that we're going to watch is exactly what you would expect, I think, <laughs> from an atheist in Hollywood making a documentary about Christian nationalism. Right. But what's really interesting are the people that he interviews. Yeah. That's that's really what <clears throat> what is interesting. If if, if he was just making a, a documentary about Christian nationalism, um, who cares? But it's the people that he is interviewing who agreed to be interviewed for this movie that uh, it's pretty telling. Well, let's uh, let's maybe just do very brief definition, perhaps. <laughs> Good luck, Jay. Well, we'll <laughs> we're we're all counting on you to give us we'll a, a get, solid definition. Of we'll get into more after the uh, the trailer because I think there. Many different strands or manifestations of what people. There's a lot of. There, I mean, I haven't seen two definitions that are but the same. At the most basic, fundamental level, we say what people are listening. What is even a nationalist? Uh, it's someone who is proud of their nation. Someone who wants to defend and uphold the values of their nation. Right. Yeah. So now that that should be, I mean, in the in the past, it was like a no brainer, right? But now in our our age of globalization, yeah, where the world has gotten smaller because of technology and communication and travel, uh-huh. um, everyone feels so connected that nationalism has become a bad thing, right? Uh, I mean, the, you, you see it with with uh, Trump's campaign, uh-huh. "Make America Great Again," right? That was nationalism. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, let's right. let like we live in America. We should love our country, and we should want our country to prosper. Right, we live here. Right, <laughs> All right. right. Uh, but for uh, for many, it was nationalism is bad. Well, we should all we should all just be unified. Together. And if you'll see a lot of it when you talk about that f- kind of idea of it, just a. Right, like down, like how do how how would you understand it if you're just like a blue collar working person? So a nationalist would would see, okay, we're we're sending all of our steel, all of our steel manufacturing, and the majority of it is not done in America anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, because of globalism and because of deals that have been trade deals made with other nations, it really benefited other nations more than our own. We lost all of these jobs. Right. So steel primarily comes from China. A lot of stuff, surprise, comes from China. It's cheap. It's cheaper. It's cheaper still, but it's it's not as high quality. Uh, a lot of the automotive industry. So even like American-made companies, they'll leave some of their stuff in America, so they can still say they're an American company. But most of their manufacturing of their parts and even some of the vehicles are built in other countries. So it's kind of more globalism, right? So if you're a nationalist, when it comes, at least economically, you're going to be someone who's trying to bring all of those jobs back here, um, which isn't a bad thing. Like, But it can be painted as the way it is today. It's painted as if you're a bad thing. Another big one I thought of a nationalist movement was the Brexit movement. Mm-hmm. Remember when that happened? Yes. That's really a nationalist movement mm-hmm. in, in Britain uh, to get out of the European Union. Right. Because in that system... The European Union was really sucking money and life out of out of Great Britain, right? And so they're they're losing. So they're looking at it. Their politicians are like, "Okay, we're losing. Like this isn't good for our nation. Yeah. So let's get away from it." And so that is a nationalist movement. Of course, that was painted as racism and bigotry and you know all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what the globalists right. do. Um, so nationalism is. 
I think, on its surface, a good thing. I think most people who swear to you know allegiance to the Constitution and, and pledge to give their life to defend it, they're not pledging themselves for global like globalism. Right. They're swearing an allegiance in this nationalist sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <clears throat> I would think just from a, a selfish um, position that you would think people would be nationalist anyway because we don't live in China. We live here. Right. <laughs> what? Uh, who do you want to prosper? Where you live? Right. <laughs> or, or where someone else lives? Right. You would think that people would want their nation to be the best to because prosper that's where, because that's where you live right um that that doesn't mean you want to do harm to other places it just means that you want your place to prosper i i think it's i think it's almost being framed as well we want america to be superior and we want everyone else to uh just live in abject poverty and, and right. despair mm-hmm. but that's not i don't think anyone's I mean, there's probably people that that maybe think that way, but I don't think the majority of people who would be nationalists would think that. We just want the place where we live to be a good place to live. Right, right. As as I'm sure that people do, you know, those that live in in Great Britain. Um, so in, in kind of that system, historically how it would work is the two nations seek their best interests. Right. And then if they partner together, they'll make deals that are mutually beneficial. Right. And so kind of the rise of nationalism came because we keep our politicians are stupid. <laughs> right. Um, no, yeah. we don't even make microchips aren't made here. How, how do you not have the foresight that that's a national security mm. issue? Yeah. Right. If we can't make any chips here. Co- cobalt. Right. If, if we're making, if we majority of the rockets that we get that are using our military equipment, mm. Like, you know, not Musk. Musk makes his own rockets. But we get those from Russia. Mm. Like, how are you that dumb? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're in a Cold War with this nation. Yeah. We're ex- existential threat to each to each other, mm. and we're buying, like, we're dependent on you for rocket technology? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's a, the the cobalt comes from China, doesn't it? And it's right. it's used in the newest uh, the newest fighter jets. Yeah, it's, I mean it's used in all kinds of things. I can't see where that would go wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's fine, Jay. They're you know they're talking about uh, in in our town uh, the refinery that they're trying to get put in here. Mm-hmm. It was cobalt and something else. There's another material. Um, can you remember what it is, Larry? I can't remember, but there's not one in the entire U.S. Yeah. It'd be the first one. Right. Like, that's unwise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's unwise. Yeah. Um, but we've been kind of pulled into this globalist mindset so long that as soon as you try to push back against that already, before we even add in Christian before, um, you get the ideas of you're, you know, it's because you're racist or it's because you're a bigot and whatever else. Yeah. That's the tactic that's used by globalists. Um, so there's nationalism, I guess, and mm. we kind of defined it. So now we throw the word Christian on front of it. Mm. So how would you describe a Christian nationalist? Um, I think it would be someone that is a Christian <laughs> and believes that um, Christian morals and values are superior. Christianity is the superior worldview, and it would um, the the adoption of Christian morals and values 
is what will cause a nation to prosper. Mm -hmm. So if you want your nation to prosper, what kind of values do you want? You want Christian ones. Right. And as Americans, I think it should be easier for us because our nation was founded by people that, though not all of them were actual Christians, all of them had some kind of Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, right. it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a pluralistic society in the way that we we see it America today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was men who they had some idea of a a god, right? And the 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 morals and values that were um, being promoted were Christian like. Yeah, I mean the the, um, the idea that we that we weren't a Christian nation at the beginning at its founding, I think, is just a uh, a rewriting of history, which goes along with a lot of what and most it, people do. It doesn't do. mean all the. I mean, I don't. I don't think that people like Thomas Jefferson were Christians, right? No, um, many of them were. A de- lot of them were deists or theists, and <clears throat> but they still believed in a moral lawgiver, right? This is should be apparent by anyone who's ever read the Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. right? You can't be endowed with inalienable rights that arise from evolution. Right. There are no rights. Mm. Right. Yeah. So their idea was that there's a, all of them blanket. Now, many of them, and I say many of them, were Christians. Yes. They're members in churches. Mm-hmm. And you can even see that in some of the early laws that were in place. There were even anti-blasphemy laws I found out last night. I was kind of looking online, which were challenged in courts, and the courts upheld them. So their idea of, at the beginning, of religion, so was not you could create any religion you want and follow that. It really was the idea that you're worshiping a creator who our rights flow out of being created by him. And they're yours by birth... And the role of the government then, or, or the Constitution, the purpose is to keep the government from infringing upon your rights to practice right. that. And I think obvious, uh, what are they worried about being infringed upon? We just have to look where we came from. Mm-hmm. They came from, from England, where people's religious rights were being uh, trampled on. And so when they started this new nation, they wanted a nation where people were free to practice their religion, but the religion they had in mind was definitely not something like Hinduism, and definitely not probably something like Islam. They Most, were they were they were warning against right um, Islam right in the in early America. Yes, yeah. Uh, the Marine Corps song, I believe, is is about uh, battling Islamic pirates. Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken. You can you can write below, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, that it is. Um, definitely not something like Wiccan in their mind. Definitely, no. And def- <laughs> no way. <laughs> definitely not something like definitely Satanism. Not. Definitely not. Uh, no. Definitely so we'll, not. we'll probably talk about the Satanism stuff yeah, later. Yeah. But um, so on the in its broadest terms, they were even they were even uh, very very cautious about Catholicism because right. of the influence of the Pope. Yes. They didn't want the Pope influencing the nation. Right. So, um, let's jump into this video, because really, anyone that had their eyes open knows and can see it coming that the term Christian nationalism will be used 
and turned around on anyone who holds to Orthodox Christianity as a means of attack, as a political maneuver to suppress speech, uh, to make Christians feel like they should go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So if you hold the same beliefs that every the majority of people held in this country 25 years ago, um, which were informed by Christianity, you are now Christian nationalists, whether you ever label yourself one or not, and you are now part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I think in this this kind of clip, this video makes that pretty clear. Yeah. I, well, well, we'll just watch it. But just remember, this is Rob Reiner, atheist, <laughs> and just take note of the people that he's interviewing for this. I turned up. America and Christianity are like baseball and apple pie, and we celebrate them together. I was 16, 17 years old when I became a Christian. I'm an evangelical minister. I've been a Christian my whole life. I'm a Christian nationalist. I have nothing to be ashamed of because that's what most Americans are. Is Christian nationalism Christian? Um, no, it isn't. We should be blazing forth as a countercultural example, and instead, we're leading the charge of malice and division. Christian nationalism uses Christianity as a means to an end, that end being some form of authoritarianism. Being a Christian is about the values of inclusion. Christian nationalism is certainly not based on the values of the gospel. God wants America to be saved. They're told over and over and over again that you're in danger. You need to fight if you don't want to lose your country. We are in a civil war between good and evil. This is not a movement about Christian values. This is about Christian power. What happens to the people who don't believe this stuff? We are on the precipice. God is on our side. We're taking our nation back. The thing that keeps me up at night is that we lose democracy. Does that seem possible? Yes. Christianity at its best is committed to love and truth and justice. If we do this right, what a country we will be. Uh, you know, Alex Jones has been um, reinstated on on Twitter. You see that? Oh yeah, Twitter's about to get a whole lot more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of thoughts on that. <laughs> um, the first, I guess, we can talk about some of the people that we saw being interviewed. Okay. I, that are against Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, they've agreed to be interviewed by this atheist who obviously is painting Christian nationalism as um, like terrorizing the nation. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, who'd we see? We saw Russell Moore. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Can't believe it. I know. At, when I saw him, I was like, shocker. <laughs> right uh phil visher mm-hmm. 
another shocker. Right. Uh, Jonathan Lehman. Yeah. Saw Jonathan Lehman. Um, Karen uh, Dumez, is that how, is that how you say her name? Yeah, the Jesus She's and John, John Wayne, Wayne lady. Yeah. Uh, did you recognize anyone else? I, I wasn't sure who, who everyone was. Yeah, I'm not sure who, who, who many of them are. Yeah. Uh, but the usual suspects when it comes to bashing Christianity right. were there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way that Christian nationalism was being portrayed in that video, mm-hmm. violent, mm-hmm. Um, pro-Trump. Right. You were talking about, um, what is her, what's her name? The, the Congresswoman. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about her right uh, before we started recording. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, this. Well, I don't know if we want to take this detour now, but she is there. So there are different streams of I think what you could call Christian nationalism. There is, you know, we have been critical of the Christian Church in the West, particularly in America as a whole, as being not Christian, right? So unorthodox views of the Trinity, uh, a complete lack or understanding of being born again, actually following the ways of Christ, Um, a cultural, it's a cultural Christianity. That's kind of, you know, in our ministry, we are pushing back against that quite, quite frequently. People who have been born uh, in places influenced by Christianity, maybe the Bible Belt. And so they have all of these cultural trappings of Christianity, but they most certainly aren't Christians. They most certainly aren't born again. Um, I would put her in that category. Yeah. Um, she's tightly connected with the NAR movement, the New Apostolic mm. Reformation. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of the people kind of that have been caught up in, you know, before the last 2020 election, you see the big rallies. They've got uh, General Flynn would be a part of them, and uh, many and many other big charismatic leaders associated yeah. with the NAR movement, Deliverance Ministries, and then mm. you have this lady involved <clears throat> with, with them. Right. She has, uh, you know, for evidence of her, I, I believe, not being a Christian. She's recently divorced and. Um, accusations, I guess, apparently were made by her husband that she had committed adultery multiple times. So, but yet she will proudly say that she's a Christian and a Christian nationalist at right. that. Right. Um, tied in with that movement in that kind of NAR movement is really the dominionist movement that comes out of the, the charismatic world. The Christian uh, dominionist movement kind of sees a seven-mountain mandate that Christians are to take dominion of every aspect of culture— uh, the political sphere being only one of those mountains, right? So they'd have others like education, uh, entertainment, all of these other things. So it's a strategy to really take dominion over all of America. Yeah. Uh, but that's tied in with the New Apostolic Reformation. So they'll install apostles like they they're handing out ap- apostle cards left and right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, which none of them are apostles, by the way. Um, so I, I say this is a pseudo Christianity that's not Christianity that's tied into uh into politics that's one branch of it yeah but you I mean you see the way that the the trailer was portraying Christian nationalist and it was all um the the well, there's a lot pro, of January 6 footage pro Trump January right. 6 uh which there's a lot there's still a lot of questions about 
January 6th. Well, I listened to a podcast about January 6th that was actually done by liberals. Yeah. Um, it was done by some of the people who were on PBS, but it was a pretty good podcast. And it kind of tracks how uh, the government knew all of this was going to take place. Uh-huh. And at the very least, the very least, they did nothing to stop it because their plan was to use it mm-hmm. as political leverage from here until eternity. Right. So they knew, um, uh, this podcast goes to, to great detail, oh, what is it called? Man, I'm going to think of it before the end of the, the end of our show. Um, but anyway, they, they document all that. These aren't, yeah. these aren't right-wingers. Right. right. These are left-leaning people. They mm-hmm. want to understand how did it happen. Right. It wasn't just a failure of, the, of our intelligence apparatus, and mm-hmm. they knew. Now it's come out because of question. you know, there have been uh, hearings that Congress has done, and it, it's pretty apparent that uh, there were tons of FBI agents involved yeah. in that, and many of them, it, it appears, were coaxing people to go to the Capitol. Um, so the, the term that I have here is useful idiots, mm. right? So the January 6th protesters are useful idiots. They fell into a political trap that will be used from here until forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of what you see, we come from that term, is many of these people that have participated in this documentary, though I have no doubt their motives are true, <coughs> they're useful idiots Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. You're directed by an atheist. What do you think his goal is? Right. You think his goal is just to get us back to a true and more pure form of Christianity? Of course not. Yeah. The idea is to label Christianity itself as radical extremist. Well, you 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 hurt the way that Christianity was even being described by some of these these people. Right. Well, you know the the heart of Christianity is inclusivism. Mm-hmm. What? Right. <laughs> what do you mean? Right. What do you mean inclusivism? Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> that's not, that's not. Uh, yeah. And at the end, he said, you know, uh, Christianity is about uh, love and peace and justice. And if we all strove to do better in this, what a, what a nation we would be. Right. Like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by justice? Right. What, what do you mean by love? Uh-huh. Uh, our definition of love is going to be different than a lot, a lot of what we see in the, in our nation today. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's, it's. It's the it's the it's the liberal view of of what Christianity is, like yeah. I mean, like you said, these 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 I'm trying to be nice to these guys because they do profess to be Christians, <laughs> but their track record is not great. Russell Moore and Phil Vischer and and even Jonathan Lehman. Um, I mean, ever ever since COVID, they've all just been steadily declining. And always going soft when it comes to the left, and always, always punching right to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're always siding with non-Christians over right. against Christians. Yeah, it, it's just real. It's just a really weird thing to see. Right. Um, but they're just going to be used to promote this christianity that has nothing to do with the gospel Mm -hmm. because why would rob reiner put the gospel into his into a movie Mm -hmm. right 
Um, but you, you can see how Christian nationalism is being used as this the scary boogeyman, right? Like, oh, not Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, so when we when we talk about it and try to define it in terms of we just want our nation to prosper mm-hmm. and we think that Christian values are what make a nation prosper. Right. We're going to be labeled as Christian nationalists also. Sure. And for people like Rob Reiner or even Russell Moore, or I mean, I don't, I don't know how these guys can square away Christian Christianity from the Bible with, with what they're, they are opposing. Right. Um, uh, it's all going to be lumped into one thing and, and, oh, you guys are pro-Trump and you guys want to just take over the government and um, well, all, all of that, all of those scare tactics. Right. right. Yeah. The, uh, and so the, the, pro- the problem is, is the, uh, the goal, the end goal is to, to define orthodox historic Christianity as wrong, mm-hmm. right? And this liberal form as actual Christianity. And that's the goal of using Christian nationalism in this way. And so that's, you're right, and that's how it's being used. Uh, for instance, I think a good a good um, illustration of this would be, so Dusty Devers just won the uh, Oklahoma Senate seat for our district, mm-hmm. where our church is at. Uh-huh. And he explicitly ran on uh, Christian... Uh, and I wouldn't even say Christian nationalist um, ideas, though he himself would identify as a Christian uh-huh. nationalist. Right. I would not. Okay. And yet I still am in, believe the things that he ran for, right? So let's kind of, I think, run down these things, and you can see how what they're trying to do is really just to redefine Christianity and say anything that's actual Christian and any person who's a, a politician that would try to stand for these things is radical and extremist and a bigot. So he said he's against no-fault divorce, Mm. right? That should not be a shocker to anyone, and I'm in full agreement with him. And up until Reagan, everyone in the nation, like that's that was the law. There, you couldn't have a no-fault divorce. So of course that'll be spun. You don't care about women, you know all this stuff. But really, when you look at what's no fault divorce, what what he doesn't mean is people that are being abused can't get divorced. Right. That would be for fault. That would be for fault. Yeah. He doesn't mean adultery. Yeah. Adultery is a for fault divorce. Mm. Right. So what he what he means is people can't just be like, you know what? I fell out of love. I don't love you anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> right. uh, good luck. Good luck, son. Mm. Uh, never seeing your dad again. Right wish you the best. Like that's immoral and that's yeah. that's bad. Mm-hmm. And that's and we would say that's sinful. Um and the same thing goes for women. Women can just leave their husbands today for mm-hmm. no fault divorce and now you've got a man paying child support for, you know, until the kid turns 18. He had nothing he didn't want the divorce. She takes half of everything and the and the man now never gets to see their kid again except for like a, a couple weekends a month and a couple weeks like that's awful. That's yeah. evil. Um we say that's a sin. Now, however, even if you aren't a Christian and you're just a sociologist, you should be able to deduce that this is a good thing just by using your human reason and your logic and analyzing the data, right? Okay. 
but we apparently can't do that, right, because of our fallenness. But you should be able to. In fact, you do see some people who aren't Christians acknowledging this. They're saying we need... Uh, Children need a mother and a father. A divorce is destroying and has destroyed the fabric of our society. Mm -hmm. So even a reasoning atheist should be able to acknowledge that children are better with a mother and a father. And that is a male and a female, right? That is not... There are loads of scientific data to support this. For instance, there's a chemical that is released when children spend time with their mother, okay? female, either through uh, cuddling, hugging, mom activities, right? There is a different type of uh, chemical that is released when children play with their father. So you've got risk, risk-taking risk behavior, mm. like dads throwing their kids into the air, rolling around on the ground, wrestling them, with them, maybe dancing you know, with his daughter, having a tea party, dancing around, um, that that's science. So if we're going to follow the science and we're going to just use human reason, then everyone should support what he put forward, right? That's not extremist. But we come at that approach from a Christian idea, right? Dusty says he's a Christian nationalist. I don't take that label, but I fully support it. Next one, pornography. He believes pornography should be banned. I believe pornography should be banned. Yeah, We both come at that from a Christian point of view perspective. However, if you're not a Christian, you should be able to come to the same conclusion of how harmful pornography is to society, right. uh, in, in particular to men, but also to, to, to women. Now, because you know I'm in an athletic kind of space online, um, and I also like to look how the brain develops, and, you know, I'm just curious by nature. There are a lot of secular people that are kind of in that world of human performance that also acknowledge that pornography is very, very bad for you as an individual and for society as a whole. Right. So even a secular person should be able to acknowledge and say, like, if we care about our society and we want our society to flourish... Um, we should outlaw ban pornography. You shouldn't even be able. You shouldn't be able to access it. Right. But because you arrive at that at, from a Christian perspective, which is the true perspective, being enlightened by God, uh, and wouldn't you know, natural revelation also corresponds with what God reveals to be good for human flourishing. Surprise, right? Yeah. Um, you're some type of radical. You're some type of extremist. You're some type. You're some type of like. Um, you, all you want is to take us back to, like, a handmaiden's tale, you know? Uh, we're going to talk... We're, we're, we're yeah. going to talk about that. No, we're going we're gonna to talk about all kinds of things, Giorgio. <laughs> um, abortion. So there's the next one. So Dusty and I are right there together on that. Um, he Again, he says he's a Christian nationalist. I don't say I am. But although, because I hold all of these, they would label me one. Mm. Um Abortion is murder, according to the Bible. So life begins at, at conception. Um, this is, for a Christian, should be non-negotiable. Now, right. the person George ran against is Larry Bush, right? Dusty. Yeah. I, I'm not getting into George, politics, Larry. Jay. Don't, you don't have to worry about uh, it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, um, Larry uh, Larry Bush, right? That's his yeah, name? Larry Bush. Former OU player. 
you know, in his campaign thing, he had many of these things, even uh, some pastors supporting him. He's a godly man. He's a churchgoer. He's a church attender. I have, I'm not going to question whether, you know, in their backgrounds that, that that's true. Maybe he's a dedicated family man, uh, committed to his wife and his children, goes to church all the time. And yet still, <coughs> you look at his policies, and you really can't run as a normal Democrat um, in Oklahoma. So he's for, you know, job creation and all this stuff. But then you get to it. He's pro-choice. Like, it, how does that compute? It, it doesn't compute. It shouldn't compute for anyone who is a Christian that that's even an option. Now, before the transgender movement, I could I could see perhaps a world where a Christian who kind of grew up with the old school Democrat, like the Kennedys, and therefore the blue collar, the working class, or for the working man, and uh, they're a Democrat, but they're against abortion, and so they're fighting from the inside. Perhaps, but today's Democrat Party, and we've read, we've li- literally read from their platform, mm-hmm. their own documents, <laughs> right. is absolutely immoral and evil. That full on into the LGBTQ, full on mm-hmm. to the trans, and of course abortion. But however, even if you are not a Christian whatsoever, just using reason and logic, you should be against abortion. Right, it's it's undeniable what is inside a mother's womb, right? The, the term fetus is only used as, as a means of dehumanization. And you read any literature on killing or on combat, and the first thing you must do is dehumanize the other person. This is why we create different names for our enemies, right? So you have they're not um, they're not Germans, they're Jerry. Um, this is in every culture; they do the same thing to us. We do the same thing. You have to dehumanize. And this is what the labeling of a fetus is. It's not a baby, it's a fetus. Is. It's just a word game we're playing to dehumanize and to protect the conscience of the person who's engaged in the activity. Um, but scientifically, it's indisputable. From at the moment of conception, um, you are who you are. Everything about you. So from the time George was conceived, everything about you was there, Right? Um, and so what's being argued for with the, with the idea of choice is really the right to murder another individual under certain conditions that we deem appropriate. Mm-hmm. However, using just human logic, you should be able to see that this is a human being and we ought not to kill other human beings. So there are even some libertarians who aren't Christians who would take that stance, and they would take that stance because a libertarian believes you can do whatever you want, right? You want to harm yourself and use drugs, then you do that, but we don't have to pay for the aftermath, right? You do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. And they apply that to the womb, and they say, no, there is a human in the womb, and we don't get to harm other humans. Um, Does that make them a Christian nationalist, right? (laughs) It shouldn't. These, These... ideas are not radical extremist ideas, and they most certainly wouldn't have been radical extremist ideas even 20 years ago, and yet they are They are today. Um, so if you hold to orthodox Christian beliefs and you believe that politicians should try to enact laws that are in accordance with that, you're going to be labeled a Christian nationalist. Mm-hmm. So I have news for everyone. According to the left, if you're an Orthodox Christian, you actually follow the Bible. 
that's what you are to them, and they want it to go away. Yeah. They don't want Christianity to have any place in the public sphere whatsoever. That's kind of where we are. Let me take a breather, a little drink of a cream soda, <laughs> and uh, get your thoughts. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't go around labeling myself a Christian nationalist, but if I'm labeled it, I'm not going to be like, no, 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 I'm not. Yeah, I mean, no, no. I, uh, uh, so I'm. I don't like to use Christianity like to to modify another word. I, I would say I'm a nationalist, right? So. Yeah. Great Britain, they have a state church. They're technically a Christian nation. We go to war with them, and World War III breaks out. I might have to lose 30 pounds and get back in the <laughs> army because this is my nation. You're not going to fight and destroy my nation. I'm going to to, to seek to destroy you, mm-hmm. whether your country labels itself as a Christian nation or not. Yeah. This is my nation, and I will bleed and die for it. Mm. Um, that should be normal. Should be. Yeah. <laughs> right? You think so. Yeah. Like, do you want to be taken over? You want to be taken over? <laughs> yeah. I don't want I, listen, I don't uh, want to be it, taken it, over it, by Great Britain. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to drink biscuits. I don't want to eat biscuits yeah. and tea. Okay. <laughs> I want I want my coffee. I want it unadulterated and I want to be wired for the next five hours after I drink it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play cricket. I want to play baseball. Okay. So there you have it. I, I am a nationalist and not ashamed of that at all. And yeah. I'm also a Christian. So people would say, well, obviously you are a Christian nationalist. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to label me that, fine. I'm not going to go around labeling myself that. You know yeah. what I mean? I. Uh, we don't get paid any endorsements here, but I would, uh, I would recommend Tom Askell's book, The Promises and Perils of Christian Nationalism okay. from Founders Ministry. It's... 31 pages. It's not, not long at all. Uh, you can read it, read it in a, about an hour. Um, and he, uh, he argues, um, that America was founded with Christian values. Undebatable. Um, that we as Christians should want Christian values. Again, yes, should be undebatable. what uh, What kind of, what kind of nation do you want to live in? Let me just read the the last, the last paragraph mm-hmm. of the book because I, I agree with him. I, I think Tom Askell he always seems just balanced, yeah, uh, biblical. Um, I, I don't know if I've really read anything from him. I'm like, nah, he got this one wrong. Uh, I think he's I think he's right here. Mm-hmm. Um, he says if we are to pray with the hope that we can live a quiet, peaceful, dignified life. Shouldn't we work toward that as well? Like we're right. supposed to pray for it. Shouldn't we work towards that also? Um, it is presumptuous to pray for that for which we are not willing to work when God has placed the means of working for it in our hands. Christians should want just laws justly enforced. We should want righteousness. Proverbs fourteen thirty four says righteousness exalts a nation. If we want justice and righteousness for ourselves, should we not want it for our neighbors too? Yes, we should, because that is true. As Christians, we should engage in legitimate activities to influence our culture and society to be good and upright. All of this means that in a nation founded on a Christian worldview and biblical principles, neighbor love should also include, going back to the definition I've been using in this booklet, actively working to defend and sustain and cultivate America's Christian culture, heritage, and values. 
If pressing that agenda makes people call me a Christian nationalist, so be it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's right. Right. I mean, as a Christian, what should what should we be promoting? Mm-hmm. Should we be promoting the kind of pluralism that includes? I mean, we've seen this. Uh, you can put this up on the up on the uh, the, the screen. Right. This is in uh, Iowa, I believe. This is the in this the um, the capital, mm-hmm. I think, in Iowa. Yeah. Uh, Satanist put up this statue, mm-hmm. <laughs> this goat statue, um, because if Christians can have their, if they can have the Ten Commandments put up, then the Satanists should be able to put up a goat statue, mm-hmm. right? Um, as Christians, what should our response be? Oh well, this is the this is the beauty of living in a pluralistic society like America. Right. I think we should. I mean, if you're a Christian, and you're looking at that that statue. You should immediately be repulsed. Mm-hmm. Like that's a statue to the devil. What should we say as Christians? Should we say, well, um, we don't want to be Christian nationalist, and say we we can't have statues dedicated to the devil in the in the capitals. We should say Jesus is Lord. And <laughs> tear that thing down. We should be like uh uh what Saint Boniface, right? Cutting down Thor's tree mm-hmm. uh back in what was that, the eight eight hundreds? Yeah, Donner's Oak. Yeah. Yeah. Um like if that makes us Christian nationalists, so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh righteousness exalts a nation. Christian values are what will bring blessings, not uh, not worshiping a goat statue. Mm-hmm. I don't think what we should want pluralism to mean every religion has equal validity, and we should be fighting for the right, the freedom to put up a goat statue. Right. Yeah. Um, and for those who would object and say this is you know built into the Constitution, you have to understand like what did they mean. Like, what does it mean to be an originalist? So there, there was a good article I read, I think it was by the American Conservative, um, where they were talking about this very thing. Right? The, the drafters of the Constitution understood religion to be, and you can look up any dictionary from the time period of what religion is, and what religion will be is something along the lines of worshiping a creator or a divine, the divine nature, creator, a moral lawgiver. All right, so this el- immediately eliminates every non-monotheistic religion immediately, and then you can get into the history and to see why you know probably Islam was not included into that. Um, but there were blasphemy laws, so there's also a trail of uh, that you can follow through history that of states that had blasphemy laws, and I thought I had them here. Let's see if I can find it again. I just want to read to you the states that had blasphemy laws. All right. Yeah, here we go. Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, Michigan, all had blasphemy laws and they all had cases that were brought up against it. I'll read to you. Listen to this. This is the law in Maine, or was, because I believe all these were eventually overturned this century, so not very long ago. 
and it, it may actually be this Maine's may actually still be on their books. They probably just don't enforce it. There are some states I'll, I'll read that overturn. There's blasphemy may be committed either by using profanely insolent and reproachable language against God or by continuously reproaching him, his creation, government, final judgment of the world. Wow. Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Scriptures as contained in the canonical books of the Old and New Testament, or by exposing any of these enumerated beings or scriptures to contempt and ridicule, and it is not necessary for the state to prove the doing of all of them. All right. I just simply ask you, if we were not, you may not say like we are a Christian state like the like the like England. But if the United States was not a Christian nation, which was formed and founded on the law, the moral law of God, where does this law emerge from? Right. <laughs> where does it come from? Because according to Maine's law, you cannot worship Satan. You cannot put a Satan statue of mm-hmm. Baphomet um, in the Capitol. It's blasphemy. It's a blasphemy law. And these were cha- have been challenged in courts. Now, some other states that have overturned theirs are New York in 1952, Pennsylvania in 2010. Wow. 2010, George, blasphemy laws is still in place. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the way you, the the history of the United States is presented in schools today. It wasn't a Christian nation. It never yeah. was. Oh, well, where did all of the anti-sodomy laws come from then? Right. That were just overturned in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Why were there anti-sodomy laws in the United States? From where did it emerge? Yeah, it would have to come from the Bible. Right. Which means in our past that we were, you could say, not that I'd say that everyone in the in the U.S. was a Christian, obviously not. Right. But the foundation of our legal system mm-hmm. is literally moral law. Right. So um, I found that to be incredibly interesting when thinking about the statue. So you can find it. That's a good article that's that kind of goes into more detail on this that you can find on the uh, the American Conservative. Um, very interesting. Um, just think about that. Why was abortion one time against the law? From where did that come? It came from Christianity, right? Um, came across this uh, this. Twitter thread started with a William Wolf tweet. William Wolf is a Christian nationalist, right? He wrote the um, he wrote the case. He wrote a book, uh, yeah, case for Christian nationalism. Case, yeah. case for Christian nationalism. We won't go. We won't go down that route mm-hmm. just because we haven't read the book. Um, you can read reviews of it, critiques of it. Right, Tom Askell critiques it a little bit in his in his book. Um, I think there's some legitimate critiques. Anyway, here's here's the tweet that that started this. He said, I "Want to restore the American family in no fault divorce, end abortion, reduce access to contraceptives, require men to provide for their children as soon as it's determined the child is theirs, end sex education in public schools, end surrogacy, and overturn Obergefell." Mm-hmm. 
That sounds good to me. Right. I don't have I don't have a problem with any of this. Right. Uh, so before I before I move on to the Twitter thread, I did want to to hone in on in surrogacy. Uh-huh. Um because you talked about the handmade right tell. Yeah. Uh, and that usually gets thrown in the in uh towards right-wing people. Right. Well, people you just, who, people you are just, against abortion. You just want you just want the handmade cell. But then we we see over and over and over again these these uh, homosexual couples using surrogates to just be a baby manufacturers for right. same sex couples. Right, right. That that sounds like the handmaid's tale. It sounds like the yeah. purpose of these women is to provide babies for homosexual couples. Yeah, the, I mean you can you can see some of these men talking about this um you know, proudly yep. that they'll go shopping. Yeah. They're shopping for a particular egg. You know, one guy says they had like they got like a supermodel like looking girl mm. for the egg, and they're of course they probably paid a lot of money right. for that, and then they'll pay a surrogate to to literally grow a baby inside. Yeah, and then as soon as the baby's born, the baby's taken away from its mother and given to two gay men, mm-hmm. and it gets even worse than that because some of them will post pictures of themselves, yeah, like with their shirts off, and they're trying to have the baby like a baby should be latching onto its mother which is essential for its brain formation, mm-hmm. right? And it's latched onto a gay dude. Right. Like this is a new level of depravity unleashed <laughs> right. upon the world. Yeah. Like not even the Romans would dream of this up, who were completely barbarous, sexually immoral, complete, you know, they're barbarians. Mm. Uh, that's how we look at them. Right. They would never. They would never dream that up. Yeah. Like this is a level of debauchery that we don't even allow in Rome. Right. Um, that that's crazy. Like there's there's your choice. Mm-hmm. Like you get these. You get your choice. You get a choice between um, babies getting having the right to be born and to be nurtured by a woman, have their brains formed properly because they have a woman they're attached to, or gay dudes buying a baby. Like it's not going to be good for human flourishing. Yeah. Like, even if you aren't a Christian, you're listening, oh, you're just a Christian bigot. Um, what? Just read some about the formation of the human brain and what children need, and then ask yourself the question, why are you anti-human? Like, why are you anti-human? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right, I want to do two things with this uh, this Twitter thread. Okay. The first is to look at the response by Joel Rainey. I don't know much about Joel Rainey except that he's an SBC pastor, and I think he's in the upper echelon. Then I want to come back and look at uh, the the initial response to the William Wolf tweet that that um, set it all off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can pull this up. We'll come back to the Ben Marsh thing uh, on top, but I want to look at Joel Rainey first. So he says, author notwithstanding, they don't like William Wolf. Apart from the bit about contraceptives and a Burgafell, uh, now what? Maybe we should talk about contraceptives just for a second because there might be people that are like, "Well, what's wrong with contraceptives?" Right. Um, there are good contraceptives, and then there are contraceptives that actually cause abortions. Mm-hmm. Well, that's their. They have they have like several mechanisms, and when all of the others fail, mm-hmm. uh, what ends up happening is the the lining 
uh, of the uterus is inhospitable for implantation, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that's the last step. Yeah. So if your contraceptive has that as the last step, you could have a fertilized egg, but it'll prevent implantation. Right. And so now you have a an abortion. Right. Without you ever knowing about it, because mm-hmm. you're just taking whatever pill, right. whatever. Yeah. And then of course now. Uh, a plan B is labeled as a contraceptive. It's not labeled as an as abortion pill, right. which it's an abortion pill. Right. Plan B is not a contraception, which, right. a contraceptive, which you can buy still in Oklahoma where apparently uh-huh. abortion has been outlawed. Oh, yeah. You can go over to Walgreens and still buy these. Mm. You can order them off. can order them online. Online, yeah. You can order the, the, the one that's even your uh, several weeks long into your pregnancy that mm. you used to have to go to abortion clinic. You can order that online in Oklahoma and still get it too. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, redu- you know, William Wolf said reducing access to contraceptives. It's because contraceptives are just handed out to teenage girls, right? Right, uh, without parental notification. Like you, it, your your daughter could be on contraceptive and having sex, and you don't even know it, right? Um, so reducing mm-hmm. access to that is a good thing. Uh, and at Burgerfell, that's uh, that was legalizing same sex marriage. Uh-huh. Um, he says the rest represent good. So uh, apart from contraceptives and a Burgafell, all right, he <laughs> says the rest represent good and just approaches the law we should advocate for. I don't say that as a fellow Christian nationalist to William, but as a Christian who believes laws can make a difference. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was a little bit of pushback. Leaving out a Burgafell feels arbitrary. It does. <laughs> like all these. Uh-huh. He says, think of trying to put toothpaste back into a tube in a way that requires an entire swath of economic and other supports built into marriage relationships being suddenly invalidated. I don't believe in gay marriage, but I also don't believe in using the courts to bring harm to already established unions. Asking for genuine repentance is far different from a court forcing the dissolution of a union that same court legitimized. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, don't overturn a Burgerfell because all these homosexuals have already gotten married. Right. I didn't. I didn't save the screenshot, but one person said, "Now let's apply this to slavery." Right <laughs> back in the eighteen hundreds. Right, uh, because every. I mean, if you look at that middle, that middle quote, think of trying to put toothpaste back in a tube in a way that requires an entire swath of economic and other supports built into slavery being suddenly invalidated. Then everyone's got to be in an uproar. But because it's same-sex marriage, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that that makes perfect sense." Right. Right. Um, and then he says, given the choice between one, a nation that outlaws something sinful but millions still do in secret, two, a nation that leaves something legal that people choose not to do because they love Jesus more, I'll take two every single time. If that's heresy to some, so be it. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that Obergefell, Obergefeld, which we were told is not a slippery slope. Oh, you Christians. Yeah, 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 right. You guys are always slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, well, what's happened since that? The trans movement? Uh, mutilation of children for yeah. for profit, um, and men in some like mentally ill state after they bought a baby, having a baby latch onto his right. man boob, right? Yes. Yeah, in, I mean, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe different. different I mean, that's words, a way to yes. describe it. I mean, most of these guys are effeminate yes. anyway, right? So they actually do have breast tissue. Yes. So, but. It, that type of immorality came from out of Obergefell. Right. But even from um, 
given the choice between a nation that outlaws sinful, uh, something sinful but millions still do in secret or a nation that leaves something legal that people choose not to do because they love Jesus more, I'll take <laughs> legalizing it every single time. Right. What kind of nation do you want to live in? Right. Do you want to live in a nation that these sinful things are outlawed and people actually can uh, experience consequences for? Or right. do you want it to just run rampant? Right. We have seen that with a Burgerfell. Which one do you want? Do you want homosexuality? Do you want same-sex marriage to be illegal? Or do you want it to be legal? Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like as a Christian, what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of nation do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a world where it's legal for guys to dress up like women and have... Um, reading time at the library with mm-hmm. with little kids right do we want to live in a nation where it's legal for a guy this huge guy to to say he's a woman and compete with actual biological females and just destroy them in every athletic competition right i, I mean it just seems like a no-brainer yeah to, to say i'll take number two every single time just seems Absolutely, I, it's just I'm just dumbfounded by right. a, a pastor saying I'll I'll leave something legal that's that's wicked every single time. Right. I I just don't I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. It it's is absolutely wild to me. Yeah, it is absolutely wild. Um, and now going back to the Ben Marsh, uh response to William Wolf, he says, the theological error at the root of this streak of Christian nationalism is that it does not believe in the miraculous power of God, which produces in us the works of righteousness. It believes law actually works despite every word of the Bible. Right. Um, I don't, I don't see William Wolf saying that this is like regeneration. Right. Now I don't know what his, I don't know all his theology, but um, I, I think, we can say a couple of things about Ben Marsh's response. Yes, uh, laws do not produce works of righteousness. We can say that. Mm-hmm. We know that. That I mean, Paul stresses that. But laws do work to suppress evil and promote human flourishing. Yeah. So it's 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 a, a like he's making a. a a terrible logical fallacy here right. um, that, well, we, the, the Bible teaches that God is the one that produces righteousness in us. So we should just live in anarchy. Right. Right. Like you, you apply this to theft or murder or um, perjury or whatever. I mean, whatever you want to mm-hmm. apply that laws are already there that this guy would, say those are good laws you can't just go murdering someone well i mean well that doesn't produce righteousness in people who don't murder because they might get in trouble right but it's good for the nation right (laughs) so it's i i just i just feel like there are people that are i don't know it's it's almost like hyper calvinism like well, God God said that He would do it, so we just we don't have to right. we don't have to do anything. Yeah, uh, it's just bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, also probably they're just cowards. Yeah, 
like to take a stance on this, you're going to be thrown. You're going to be thrown in the Christian nationalist mm-hmm. sphere, whether you want to be there or not. Yeah. You're going to be called an extremist. You're going to be called a radical, mm. uh, a bigot, misogynist. All of it's coming. Yeah, right. That's all coming your way if you take mm-hmm. a if you take a stance right against any of this. Yeah. So that's, that's not to say that that these laws in themselves are going to produce a bunch of Christians, right? Because only the gospel does that. Right. I mean, I, I think that's where you and I would would push back against some of the Christian nationalism because it's really stressing political like this. It I I don't think that, you know, the Christian nationalists that are closer to us would, would say that that, you know, if we don't do this, then all is lost. Mm-hmm. This is our only hope. I, I don't think they would say that, but it comes across that way sometimes, and we see it on Twitter all the time. Right. It, it just seems like the focus is so much on politics, and on we've we've got to do all of these political things, or the country's gone. Um, yeah, maybe it may be a good time then to like bring up the second kind of form that we see. Yeah. I brought up the NAR form mm-hmm. before. Um, which the new Speaker of the House actually has tied into oh, really? them as well. Did you know that? I knew that. I got a he, clip uh, maybe could show. Okay. He's a Southern Baptist. Okay. But he's kind of he kind of strikes me as like a charismatic type. A little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> After he was, um, what is his name? Mike, um, what's his name? Johnson. Is that his name? Mike Johnson? I don't yeah, know. Mike Johnson. Let me pull my clip up. Larry's giving me the, uh, oh, yes, yes, it is. So, yeah. <laughs> um, after he was, uh, yeah, I got a clip of After this. he was voted in as the speaker, I saw an article that said that when he was down in, uh, Louisiana, yeah, um, he was, uh, promoting some law for covenant marriage. Huh. And the, the story was like, this is ridiculous. Like, look at this weirdo. And as I was reading about what covenant marriage was, it's just biblical marriage, mm. like between one man and woman for life. Right. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's so weird about that. Uh, but he did uh, help help shut down the, the abolition bill mm-hmm. in Louisiana. He so did. He's, yeah. He's not a he's not the hero that everyone. Yeah. Wants him to be. He th- did you hear him? Uh, Refer to himself as uh, having like a Moses like. Yeah, that's it. I have that. Clip. Oh, is that the clip? Okay. Do you All want right. me to show? Yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be good. So he does what I've heard countless Southern Baptists do, which is abuse. Uh, take God's. I think it's taking God's name in vain to say that God spoke to you when He didn't. Because um, I've heard countless Southern Baptists say, "Let me share with you what God gave me this morning, what He laid on my heart about this passage," and then they'll they'll preach, and it has it has actually nothing to do with that passage at all. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you can't say anything because God told them to. God told them. It's a form of manipulation. I think. Mm. I think what you see is a lot of like uh, narcissistic manipulations that are done by people in both religious authority and in political authorities. Uh, because if God laid it on your heart, well, who are you? Who are you to say He didn't? Well, I mean, you just butchered the text. So, mm. but he do- he adopts the exact same type of strategy here in this clip. Let me play. Uh oh, we got nothing. You got nothing there. Hmm. All right. Same Switch thing. back over to George while I pull it up. <laughs> it says I'm yeah. connected. Um, let's try one more time. Okay. I, 
I see who you're uh, who you're sharing this from. Jay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Anthony Bradley. I will just add this, George, as did every single person alive in America at the time. You remember that when they, they removed their speaker? Yeah. Everyone in America literally had the same thoughts. But okay, let's keep going. There you go. There you go. Do we need a uh, Do we need a Matt Matt Chandler? Yeah. You're not Moses. You're not Moses. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, you want to know who the who the new Moses is? It's Jesus. Yeah. That's it's right. It's Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We're running out of time, my friend. Man, we are. Um, so there's him, like, and yeah. Uh, Taylor Green. They're kind of, and he's LinkedIn. There's, he goes to the NAR stuff too. Yeah. Right. But then you have what we, I guess we would call um, Christian Reconstructionist. Mm. So that would be like Doug Wilson. So there's a different form that's, I don't think, really associated with these guys, mm. which you see a lot of the videos of the people at January 6th. But you have the, uh, this other form, which comes out of Moscow. And you know, the big thing, a couple, past couple weeks, you, the old Moscow just, mood. You just, you just said, we're running out of time, and then you bring out Doug Wilson yeah. in Moscow. I think we can. <laughs> can we pull this off in 20, 20 minutes? We have to shut it down twenty minutes. Uh, but in that, so that form of uh, Doug Wilson's brand of Christian nationalism really uh, kind of it works 
it works in a Pado Baptist mindset, right? So the church, think Church of England, mm-hmm. or the strategy of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Christianized nations, everyone baptizes their babies. Their babies are now in the covenant. Right. Christian nation. Doug Wilson is a form of that. Uh, obviously, believes in Pado Baptism. Baptized babies are literally in the covenant. And we can get into great de- detail on that, on his theology and the issues we have with that as Baptists, but he's really promoting like a grassroots form of this where you would transform your local governments to start with, um, Christianize them, raise good families, Christian families, influence the culture where you're at, and then kind of grow it out from there. You know what I mean? Um there's, so there's that form of it, which is also tied to, usually it's tied to theonomy. Um, and then you kind of have, I think, the other form that you see is the kind you, kind of with Askel, you know what I'm saying? Where he wouldn't necessarily say, like, if, if that makes me a Christian nationalist to want to live as a Christian in my nation and to promote Christian ideas and Christian values mm. and even have them put into law... Right. Then you can label me a Christian nationalist. I'll I'll accept the title. Uh-huh. So you really have kind of these three different branches of it, right? Um, so you can't even pin it down exactly, like what's going on in our culture today. There are so many different definitions of Christian nationalism. Um, I was listening to. You can find this on YouTube. I, I would encourage people to go look at it. Um, uh, Tom Askell and and Vody. Odie Bauckham are, are talking. I think it's before a founders conference a couple of years ago. They did one on Christian nationalism. And Vody said that whenever he's asked, are you a Christian nationalist? Um, his first question is, what do you mean by that? And he said that given the responses he usually receives, that like 98% of the time the answer is no. Um, so that that's where definitions are really, really important. Mm-hmm. If someone ever asks, are you a Christian nationalist? You should ask, what do you mean by that? Uh Because there are so many different definitions and understandings of Christian nationalism. I mean, you look at, you look going back to that Rob Reiner trailer, um, if that's Christian nationalism, like all those pictures, then no, we're not, we're not Christian nationalist. Uh, but if you're asking, do we believe that Christianity is superior to every other worldview and we want to promote it in our nation? then yes, if, if you want to call us a Christian nationalist, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just being Christians. Right. Right? Um, that, that's what we should be doing. That's what the early church was doing. Right. Um, they were living as Christians and promoting Christian values and living in this pagan society with different morals. Right. <clears throat> and calling people to repent and, and trust in Christ. Right. That's, uh, that's what we should be doing. Um, in the short time that we have left, maybe let's talk about some of the, the weaknesses and cautions for those who would be pulled into uh, Christian nationalism. I think uh, one that I see is, uh, and not to say that you can't do both, but the trajectory of the passion level that I see uh, among most is not really toward evangelism and church planting in missions. Yeah. It's more toward political engagement and mm-hmm. transforming society through political engagement. Okay. 
Um, I think that's a major weakness. Yeah. That's obviously not the strategy of the early church, right? right? The early church didn't set up, set aside Paul and Barnabas to like go to Corinth and become political lobbyists mm. or, or go to Ephesus and to tear down the, you know, greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. They didn't get into politics to, to try to tear that temple down or to end temple prostitution mm. or, or any of that. Uh, they went as missionaries of the gospel, and what ended up happening is they end up undermining all of those systems and things through the gospel as churches were planted, and those churches then planted churches, and more missionaries went out. Politics and Christianity started mixing pretty early in church history um, with Constantine. Mm-hmm. So around the, the early 300s, Constantine becomes the emperor of uh, the Eastern Roman Empire, and he's he convert quote unquote converts yeah. to Christianity. There's debate over over that, um, and he legalizes Christianity, so it it was outlawed. Right. Um, the Diocletian, who was the emperor before Constantine, um, he persecuted the church terribly. Uh, this is the the tenth persecution of the church, uh, systematic persecution. And it was terrible. Uh, you can read about in Eusebius's church history. He, Eusebius lived through it, so he gives eyewitness account of it. Um, but now Constantine, he becomes emperor, and he converts to Christianity and legalizes Christianity. And now you want to be, you want to be like in politics. You convert to Christianity also, uh. right? And so now um, it's it's in <laughs> to be a Christian. Uh, and it's out to be a pagan. And uh, you, you start seeing some of the corruption uh-huh. of Christianity because of, of wedding to yeah. to the state. Um, we see the same thing over and over and over again. At, we don't want to go, we don't want to chase the rabbit of like pedo-baptism and, and all of that. But even in America, uh, before the First Great Awakening, we can read accounts of the the corruption of Christianity because everyone's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's just what you are. You, you're, well, you're, bapti- you're baptized because you were born and then you were baptized into the covenant. Yeah, you're, so you're, 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 you're a Christian, you're a church member and it, and it slowly corrupts. Um, and so when George Whitfield came over, um, he, he realized that most of these people aren't actually Christians. Mm-hmm. They, they've got the label. They're in good standing in the church, but they act, they haven't actually been born again. Um, and so, so there is that danger of of the corruption of Christianity as it gets tied to politics, right? And we don't want that. We don't we don't want to we don't want the truth of the gospel to get corrupted because corrupt people want power. And how do I get power? Well, I'll be a Christian, uh-huh. right? There have been, you know, we. Uh, think of Lutheran Germany. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it was a Christian nation at right. a time. Right. Uh, England. Uh, what do they have in common? Pedo baptism. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how you Christianize a nation in that formula. Yeah. When the majority of people are in the <clears throat> quote unquote covenant and their children are baptized into the covenant, now you have a majority of again quote air quotes here mm-hmm. Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that whole time, you know, of course, Baptists were persecuted. Even in the colonies, Baptists were persecuted. Mm-hmm. You can read historical accounts of that. Um, 
So you have that stream, the, the Doug Wilson kind of stream. Uh, many are drawn into that because of theonomy. And if you get online, it's very vitriol. I'd say people that come kind of come are tied into that camp can be very vitriolic. They can throw bombs. Of course, they're super critical of John MacArthur. You know, they say has a loser eschatology because of <laughs> so. You know, John MacArthur can make his own controversial statements, and so they seized kind of upon one where, where he made, and they're like, well, "Which one do you want to choose? You want to go with Moscow and all its positivity, and or do you want to go with the loser eschatology?" Right. But if you just examine the fruit of his <clears throat> ministry. Um, he took on the state of California and won. I mean, what kind of a loser eschatology is that, right? Right. When most everyone else was caving to the government, he took on the government uh, and won. Uh, they've planted hundreds of churches, and then when you add in all the churches around the world, it's possibly thousands. They've planted seminaries to train uh, local nationals in their own language to be pastors. Um. So you don't have to become a post-millennial theonomist to be engaged in spreading the kingdom, not just in your area, but throughout the world. So don't buy into that, right? Um, but I do see that. I mean, I, I see kind of in that, like some of them now are calling themselves dark roast, dark roast reformed, which means post-mill theonomy. Um <laughs> The, the more dark roast you become, the less you will see for evangelism and missions. The less church planting, the less missions work you will see, and the more political activity you will see. That's just my personal observation. I'm open to correction on that. But just as people would say, you see in a spectrum of Calvinism, you have your hyper-Calvinists that never evangelize, and you kind of have, you know, and we're, we're obviously not that. We would consider ourselves like Whitfield, like Calvinist, uh, Spurgeon, like Calvinist. Um, but in that in that stream, that's kind of what you see. That's the trend in America, right? And kind of my thought has always been in this whole process: if your theology cannot be implemented immediately in every nation on planet Earth, then you have the wrong theology. You brought that up. I, I didn't know if you were going to bring that up or not, but. Um, just a few days ago, I, I sent you this. Um, it's been, I think, five years since uh, Early Rain Covenant Church in China right. was raided and a lot of their leaders were just taken. Um, I don't I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard any updates over yeah. whether all of them have... Uh, I don't know if they know what has happened to, right. to many of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the pastor of the church, he wrote a letter, an open letter to the government... Um, telling them, like, we're not a threat. Um, and uh, this, uh, this quote from the pastor showed up on my Facebook memories uh, a couple of days ago, and I, I sent it to you and said, Chinese pastors just going full on that post mill. Right. right? <laughs> but uh, sarcastically, sarcastically, because that's not, because that's not what yeah. he, he says. Uh, you could throw up this quote. This is from this is uh, an excerpt from his letter to the the Chinese government. He said, "The calling that I've received requires me to use nonviolent methods to disobey those human laws that disobey the Bible and God. My Savior Christ also requires me to joyfully bear all costs for disobeying wicked laws. Christ's great commission requires of us great disobedience. The goal of disobedience is not to change the world, but to testify about another world." 
All right. Like you said, um, like if you can't, if you can't take this and apply it to Christians in other nations, then it's probably gonna awry. Right. Yeah. I mean, so in America we have this great blessing, right? So mm-hmm. you take like Dusty. Now, for for Dusty, it made me kind of think about this. Like people have objected because he's a pastor. Um, and so now he'll be a bivocational pastor, like many pastors are anyway. So that's not really a problem. But they say that's shouldn't that's not pastors' lanes. But my question is, why are churches not raising up men in their churches that can do that? And this isn't a jab at Dusty's church by any means. This is a question for all of us, right? If we have the freedom to have our men run or get into positions of influence in the legal sphere, political sphere, even entertainment sphere. Like, why are our men so weak that they can't even articulate basic Christian doctrine, and they don't even have the backbone to stand up for it? Right? How this happened? This is a multi-generational problem. So as long as we have the freedom to do that, we ought to be raising like our men. You ought to look at your children and say, oh man, he's got a gifting. Like, I can see he has a knack for debate and possibly steer him in the in the legal sphere with the goal of getting into politics um so we need to be doing those things in developing our greatest asset which is our children uh to do those things because one day we may not have them so but what you cannot do and this is what i do not i think they're completely wrong and i would say it's it's sinful is when you slap on the label faithful christianity say you're not a faithful Christian if you aren't involved in this like I am, right? You're not a faithful Christian if you are not taking on the government, doing this, because that immediately eliminates our Chinese brothers and sisters. Right. The very second they would try to push back against their government, they're they're either dead or thrown into a a, a re-education camp, which is just psychological psychological torture to recondition them. Um so be faithful in the the providential providentially where God has placed us. Mm-hmm. So we're in America, so we should we should take advantage of the blessings that we have. Right. But not make it like an absolute this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Because it's not this this America's form of government is not it, it's not around the world. Right. And I think, you know, I think where we are in America Unless God does an incredible miracle in our nation, we as Christians, we do not really understand the times in which we are in. This battle was really fought probably in the late in the 50s and 60s. And where we are, like Christians can be isolated in their Christian bubbles, right? And you don't just have to be like in a homeschool community to do that. Some Christians don't have any other friends that aren't Christians. They go to church. They go about their business. They're living their life with their families. But the world outside of our Christian bubbles is far more depraved and far more down this trail than we realize, right? So even here in where we live, you know, where my kids go to school, the number of people who are, or say they're Christians is a lot, the number of them that actually are trying to follow Christ is probably less than 10 in the whole high school. Yeah. Okay? So they're going to graduate. And that you repeat this everywhere in the Bible Belt. 
all those people are going to be voting soon. They're all going to be voting Democrat because they're all sexually immoral. They're all pro-abortion. They're all pro-LGBTQ. They're all pro-trans, though they have the label Christian slapped on it. Um, soon they'll be voting. Soon after that, they're going to be running for political office. Okay, so my thing is, is like, hey, be in the fight while you can, but you need to be prepared to go down swinging mm. because we're under the judgment of God and pending a miracle of massive regeneration from the ground up. Which God can do. You're not going to put any enough laws in place because yeah. everyone in the nation right. is pagan, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's where we are. Yeah. I think the kind of... I, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. I think Jeremiah was a, a quote-unquote Christian nationalist. And this is the kind of Christian nationalist I, I think I want to be, mm-hmm. is, is Jeremiah. Um, it, it, Jeremiah chapter 26, we're probably out of time. Yeah, um, maybe we can end it with this. It says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord all the words that I command you to speak to them. Do not hold back a word. It may be they will listen and everyone turn from his evil way that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to walk in my law that I've set before you and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I sent you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. So Jeremiah is, he loves his, he loves his nation. We see that because after the, the captivity, he writes lamentations. Uh-huh. He, he laments over what has happened to his nation. But he's going to he's going to preach God's law. He's gonna he's going to call the people to repent and follow God's law. Well, when he does this, the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, "You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitants? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears." So all the officials and all the religious leaders are saying this guy should be put to death because he's saying that he's preaching against this the, mm-hmm. this nation. He's right. saying, "Well, you're going to be destroyed if you don't follow Christianity or you know the the law." Right. Um, then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, "The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard." Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he's pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as it seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. Mm-hmm. So he's a nationalist. He loves his nation. He knows that the only way for his nation to prosper is if they repent and turn back to the Lord. Um, and when he preaches this word of disaster, all the all the political leaders and all the religious leaders they turn against him and say, 
this guy deserves death. Right. Um, Jeremiah doesn't try to forcefully, you know, uh, take over. Um, he just faithfully preaches um, the word of God because he loves his nation and he's willing to accept the consequences of being faithful. Right. Yeah. And if that labels us Christian nationalists, then so be it. Right. Yeah. You're either you're either going to have something resembling Christian nationalism or you're going to have a form of secular human theocracy. Mm. Right. It's that it, this they say it's not a religion, but it really is. Yeah. It's a it's a human it's the religion of humanity is God. Yeah. You're gonna and have, then, you're gonna have you, you're gonna have Christ or you're gonna have a goat statue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Or dudes uh, breastfeeding babies, like that's legit. The choices, like how you cannot be appalled and see the depravity right. Right. before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Which way do you want to go? Right. right. Which way will promote human flourishing? Um, if you even just approach it from that secularist mindset, which way is going to promote human flourishing, yeah. the betterment of mankind? Mm-hmm. But we know what we want to see is the glory of God and God honored in all things. Right. So. Yeah. Interesting times to live in, George. Very. Yeah, for sure. You want to shut this bad boy down for us? Sure. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure more could have been said. Jay wanted to talk more about Doug Wilson. I'm glad he didn't. Uh, But uh, maybe we'll get into that at a future time. (laughs) Maybe when I'm sick. (laughs) You can just have a a whole time to yourself talking about Doug Wilson. Here's all I'll say to the Doug Wilson boys who think they're warriors. They like to use that terminology. (laughs) Where were you at between 9-11 and now? Huh? Playing Fortnite? Being scared? Okay, that's it. All right. (laughs) Thanks for that final word, Jay. It was very, very edifying. All right. Well, if this has been beneficial for you, please like, subscribe, and share. And uh, no Text Driven Tuesday next week, but we will will try to have another free-for-all Friday. And uh, until then, God bless.